state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. J.D. split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, apparently the mystery's gone. Gabrielle Union will be the guest picker at game day. You good with that? I didn't make didn't make the cut. But you okay with her? Yes. Me too. Nebraska fan through and through. She'll do us proud. She tweeted about it this afternoon. She and Dwayne Wade are in town for a couple of days. They're going to be a part of the teammates banquet up in Omaha tomorrow night. That's the organization that Tom Osborne originated. And then apparently, according to her Twitter this afternoon, she's picking the games. That's cool. The game day stage going up on the east side of the stadium. They'll have an hour show from over there tomorrow. College Football Live from 2 to 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So if you're in the area, you want to go by and kind of see what's kind of a mini version of their big show on Saturday morning, you can go check that out. Welcome. Thursday night edition of Sports Alley here on the Husker Sports Network. Wow, 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 what a show we have coming up. Practice report here in a few minutes. Comments from head coach Scott Frost as the Huskers get ready to take on number five Ohio State Saturday night. Robin Washington will be here from HuskerOnline.com. We'll we'll talk some football with Robin too, but he also covers for HuskerOnline.com Husker basketball. He viewed their practice session yesterday, and it's a huge weekend for them as well recruiting-wise. They have – like double-digit number of young men are going to be on campus for some unofficial visits, some for unofficial visits. We'll get the head count from Robin coming up later on in the hour. It's our Nebraska football show for the week. Offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach Troy Walters will be in studio for an hour. We'll look forward to talking to him, get his thoughts about last week's game against Illinois and getting ready for a really good defense on Ohio State. So get your comments, questions ready for Coach Walters. Teddy Greenside will be here Thursday night. Love talking to Teddy, get his take on all kinds of things. I think he had maybe the tweet of the week about Nebraska after the end of the Illinois game. He succinctly tweeted, Ben, Nebraska's weird. That's probably pretty good handle on the first four games for this football team. Yeah, it's been it's been a a bizarre few games for the Huskers for sure. Um, you know, at times, and and Teddy even said this. At times, they look really, really good, and at times, they're a hard team to watch. And weird in a sense that they can look like they're dominating dominating a game, and you know, in just a few plays have everything change. You know, it's that certainly that way with Colorado and. I would say, uh, you know, the game against Illinois certainly was that way too. But you didn't see really Nebraska turn it on until, you know, late in the late, late in the second half or you know at least late third quarter. And you know that's not something that uh, that that's been a trend. It's usually been the other way. Nebraska starting fast and then you know the other team making plays to get back in it. Nearly 700 yards of offense, but those four, four turnovers certainly made that an interesting game in Illinois. So we'll have Teddy on at the top of hour number three. And Todd Lebo from WHB in Kansas City is going to join us in the third hour as well. We haven't talked to Leibs in a while. We'll get his take on Ned Yost retiring. Does he have any insight in Alex Gordon's future with the Kansas City Royals? The Royals are, will wrap up their regular season on Sunday. And 
Quite a quite a uh, confrontation on the Big 12 teleconference on Monday with Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy getting into it with a reporter. We'll ask Leaves all about that coming up in hour number three. Let's get into tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice reports brought to you by JTEC. Time to replace your home siding but not sure where to start? Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding and always provides free consultations. Head coaches turn to meet with the media following the workout today on Thursday and just started out by talking about his players being dialed in, ready to go for Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think the distractions get to the players much. Um, we're just going about our business. I don't think anybody's even noticed anything different to this point, probably except for me having to do some extra things. But um, the players had a good week of practice. We keep getting a little bit better inch by inch and foot by foot. So um, I think the players are dialed in and, and ready to do what they can against a really good team. It's a distraction walking to class and maybe walking to the facilities. You see all the stuff, but once you put your helmet on, you're not thinking about college game day being here. Right. When you're in the locker room, you're on the practice field, and you're, yeah, that's, that's not around you at all. Obviously, Ohio State is a top-five team coming in, going to be a big challenge. Coach Frost talked about Ryan Day's group and what type of challenge is ahead of them. Well, I don't think there's any question we're playing one of the best teams in the country. When you look at their lineup across the board, it's hard to find any weak spots. I think they got guys that have a chance to play on Sundays at about every spot. Um, you know, but our guys are, are ready to, to challenge them, ready to try. Um, you know, I think we got to have a mature enough team to look this challenge in the eye and, and rise to the occasion a little bit. Uh, I think we'll have great fan support to help us do it. Uh, we got nothing to lose um, but to go out and give everything we got and see where the chips fall. He used the word nothing to lose. He expounded on that a little later on. Yeah, like I said, I don't think our guys have anything to lose this week but to go out and play. Um, you know, this is, like I said, this is a really good team coming in. I don't think a lot of people are going to pick us to win, rightfully so, because they got one of the best teams, I think, in the country right now. Uh, they're playing really well at a high level. So uh, there's no reason for us to be nervous or uptight. Uh, we just got to go take our swings. That's a great way to look at it. Buckeyes, 17-point favorites. They're ranked fifth. There's already playoff talk around Columbus, as there should be. They have a team that's certainly capable of doing that. None of that's happening around here. So a lot of pressures. On. I think one of the keys to Nebraska is can they keep this thing close into the second half? Ohio State has not been extended, Ben, into the second half where they've had to keep the pressure going. Can Nebraska get it to that point? And then who knows what happens if you can stay within striking distance into the third quarter. Yeah, and, and, and again – you creep a little doubt in their mind, you know, at halftime or whatever. They haven't been tested yet, so who knows how they respond yep. to adversity under Ryan Day. Bill, confidence is a fragile word. It's something that, you know, is week to week, ri rises or it's taken away from you. Uh, building confidence is obviously very important. You feel like the Huskers took the right step in getting a win last week with Illinois. Coach Frost talked about that word here following practice today. Yeah, it's step by step. It's day by day. Um, 
think it, you know we've we've cleared a lot of hurdles. I think last Saturday was a big hurdle for us to be in a bad situation and not crumble, but to uh, stand fast and respond. So that was a big step for our team. Um, you know, and winning a big game against a really good team is, is a step we're in a hurdle we're going to have to jump over at some point, and we got a shot to do that Saturday. Um, we'll see where we stack up with them. Yeah, I mean. Again, confidence. You know, you—that's probably what you take away from last year's game, knowing they can hang with them. And you know, for every passing minute that you're within arm's reach of those guys or have a lead on those guys, players are start to believe they can get it done. And more pressures on that other sideline. Yeah, first quarter's big, right? I mean, just can't fall. Can't be like Illinois where you're down fourteen oh, nothing. You no. do that to this team, it could be a long. You're going to be in trouble, big trouble. Everyone wants to talk about Ohio State and how. They haven't played anybody, you know, very good yet this year, and, and Nebraska will be their biggest test. But this will be Nebraska's biggest test defensively with this offense um, and, and Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and, and K.J. Hill and everybody else. How will this offense challenge the defense? Yeah, you know, we've talked about how much better we are in the secondary. Those two guys, Decap and Lamar, are a big piece of that. Um, they've had a really good year so far. Um, you know, they got a big challenge this week. These receivers we're playing are as good as we've seen, probably better than we've seen. Um, there's not just one of them or two of them. They got a, a bunch of them. Uh, and, you know, if you give these guys a crack, they'll make a big play. Uh, keep watching tape of them playing and watching the defense, and the defense gets a stop, and it's 7 nothing. and defense gets another stop, it's 14. Next thing you know, it's 28-5 to five or something. Um, so they're they're creating big plays because uh, their scheme and the talent they have doing it. So our guys have a big challenge in front of them, but um, really like where Decap and Lamar are right now. I was talking about the the score difference in the Miami of Ohio game last week. It was seven five Buckeyes at the end of the quarter, but they start the second quarter. They immediately stop Miami deep in their own end. Short punt, good punt return. They have it at about the twenty-five. Quickly score to go up fourteen. Then. They get an interception, short field, score. Then they block a punt, short field, score. And that's how you get it rolling. And that's where Nebraska's just got to be solid men in all those phases. Can't turn the ball over, can't give up a big play in special teams. That's how good teams really jump all over you. So cliche to say that every week, but for Husker fans saw firsthand what happens if you don't take care of the football. Right. I mean, you can out yardage a team by 350. And it still doesn't matter. They'll they'll yeah. take advantage of it and put it in for points. A kicking game and that part of that special teams. Coach Frost talked about that today. Well, it, it hadn't been very good, um, and I, I you know the statistics bear that out. Um, certainly not something we anticipated. If we would have anticipated it, we could have done more to try to address it beforehand. But um, you know we're hoping Barrett gets ready sooner rather than later. And in the meantime, we're going to do the best we can. Sounds like nothing new on that front with the kicker situation. It's it's fixing a knife wound with a Band-Aid right now. Yeah. It's just this isn't this isn't the NFL where you can go get to the waiver wire. No. And go bring a guy in. It just doesn't work that way. Unfortunately not. Well, how does the kicker situation affect Coach Frost and his play calling? We've seen it. I think it was a fourth and 11 that the Huskers went forward against Illinois. How does that affect the play calling? I think it, it more so than two-point plays. Obviously, we have to have two-point plays ready um, just in case. But I think more than anything, it, it changes your play calling a little when you get down in the red zone or overtime, those kind of things, uh, to try not to, if you can, leave it up to a kick. And um, But we, we kind of think that way anyway. Um, when we get in certain parts of the field that it might be four-down territory. 
comments from Coach Frost today following the Thursday media gathering. And I, I don't think anything that anybody didn't expect to hear from him today. See some two-point tries Saturday Maybe. Night? I'm okay with that. Sure. The way it is, well, I mean. <laughs> well, let's think about this. Why do you kick the PAT? It's supposed to be automatic. Automatic. Right? It's been far from that. Mm, 70%, 80% confident that those things are going to go in. You ask an offensive-minded head coach how confident he is about a two-point play, I bet it's right around 50%. Is that 20% worth an extra point? I think it is. Yeah, could be. We talked about it Monday about, and you saw it field level, that you thought on the block PAT from Illinois the other night that they came right over the top of the center, which is supposed to be illegal. Javon DeWitt said they've reached out to the conference office for some clarifications because they're going, if that's allowed, then we're we, going to do it. And we need to start doing that. He goes, I need to know if that's not going to be called as a penalty, then we're going to start loading up over the top of the center. Yeah, and they didn't do it the, the last time. Northern Illinois, I think, did the same yeah. thing, didn't they? Right yeah. through the so, top. You know, it's – you're not supposed to touch this from – and Brendan, my, my co-host, even said that. He was on the sidelines like, hey, I thought you weren't supposed to touch the center. I'm like, I thought I saw that too, and I didn't yeah. want to make a big deal of it because I hadn't seen the replay yet. And I didn't want to go, oh, he ran him over and have it be the guard or, you know, something that I missed. But, yeah, I mean, if the coaches are addressing it and sending things into the office, there's some miscommunication somewhere. Welcome back. Sports Highly here on a Thursday night. Delighted to welcome on board the program. Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I know you've been out at those media sessions throughout the week. Is this a Husker team that's loose, confident, tight? Well, how would you describe it as you've watched them visit with the media all week? Yeah, I think that it's a team that kind of understands uh, the situation at hand. I think they know that they're going against a very daunting challenge in all phases against Ohio State. And um, this is probably going to be one of, if not the best, all-around teams they face all season. But uh, I think they also have a pretty good idea of um, the opportunity that lies ahead um, you know, if they're able to, to you know, do what they, they hope they can do. I mean, if they can win this game, um, that that could be a potential program-changing win. And even if they don't win, uh, just the, the scene around the program um, over the next couple of days is going to be unlike any we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, so, you know, they're they're trying to walk that fine line, I think, between uh, staying focused uh, and, you know, preparing like you would with any other game, but also, um, you know, appreciating kind of the situation that they're in right now and how unique this is and um, what it potentially could mean to the program if, uh, you know, they do their jobs. Do you think the game day hype has gotten to them at all? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I don't think so. They're obviously saying all the right things. Um, you know, I asked Scott Frost today about that, and he said really the only thing that's been different this week is you know he's had a couple cameras following him around for you know a game day package they're going to run on Saturday. So um, I think the coaches have tried to um, at least as far as the the practice start and end keep that about as controlled of an environment as they possibly can. But you know it's it's impossible to just pretend like <laughs> stuff that's happened. I mean, just outside of the stadium that they're yeah. practicing, there's a huge stage set up with yeah. trucks and uh, all sorts of stuff for the game day uh, stage that they're setting up. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals, like, again, you can't pretend like it's not there. And you kind of have to uh, find a way to embrace it while also not getting caught up in it. And that's a, that's a tough challenge, um, especially with uh, so many different players and personalities. But uh, I think that 
Scott Frost has gone about it at least uh, the right way by um, not completely pretending like this is not a, a different game than any other because it is much different than certainly any other game they've played since he's been here and um, probably in recent memory. This is the seventh time they've been here. Have you attended any of these game day productions? Not the actual like show part, but <laughs> one of my, it was funny. A couple of days ago, one of my college roommates uh, sent some old pictures of um, after the 2001 uh, Oklahoma-Nebraska game here. Uh, and I was a freshman uh, in, in college, and uh, Lee Corso made his way from the stadium over the, uh, the viaduct into the uh, North Bottoms to a house party oh. to ride this mechanical bull called El Toro. And it was at just this, this person's house. And they had a mechanical bull and they had it in their front yard. And for, like the, the backstory is the kid emailed Corso um, you know, before the game and challenged him. And uh, one thing led to another and we accepted the challenge. And after the game walked over there, rode it for like 30 seconds and then got off. But uh, you know, that's, that's one memory that uh, I have, but I have not actually like attended the actual filming of a college game day. Oh, that's great. Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com with us. It's a huge weekend, obviously, for Husker football with that. The anticipated announcement tomorrow of, of some new facilities. But it's also big for the other sports, including basketball, which began practice on Wednesday. You had a chance to go and uh, peek in there for 30 minutes or so. What, what uh, impressions did you have of that? Well, this was the second time we've been able to see them in a full practice setting there was the um, chance in the summer uh, right when they were getting ready to go to start their practice for for italy um, but there were two notable omissions there one uh, cam mack was still not allowed to practice because uh, he was still waiting to get fully cleared academically um, so you know he was a new addition uh, to the mix and then ivan waderogo who was uh, you know, obviously competing with the french national team out in greece um, he wasn't there. So those are the two guys I was kind of keying in on because I just had never seen them in person, let alone play basketball before. So uh, they both very much lived uh, lived up to what I expected them to be. Cam Mack is, you know, he's a smaller guy, but he's got a big presence about him. Um, he has no shortage of confidence and swagger, and he's got the game to back it up. Uh, it just comes easily to him to where he's one of those guys where he looks like he's not trying that hard but then he delivers a perfect entry pass between three defenders right in the, at the arms of a, a post player for an easy layup or um, you know, just glides to the lane and makes a, a, a difficult layup look easy. So, I mean, there's a reason why the staff was so high on him during the recruiting process. And, again, it was a glimpse of 30 minutes of essentially just warm-up uh, pre-practice stuff. But you quickly got the sense of why the staff was so excited. Um, and then with Ivan – uh, he's he, he, physically he's the real deal. He is a Big Ten ready post player, uh, every bit of 265 pounds. Some people are questioning if he's really six nine. They think he might be closer to six seven. Either way, he's plenty big enough to hold his own in the Big Ten physically. Now, where he needs to uh, still develop is just with his fundamentals. Um, you know, one of the things Fred said in his press conference on Monday was you know, he's just still adjusting to the speed of the American game, particularly. Uh, you know, high major college basketball uh, speed. And that was pretty evident. You know, he's um, just kind of work on his ball handling and, you know, some post moves and stuff like that. Uh, but the good thing is, is he's 17 years old, and that is very much fixable. Uh, and the one thing that you can't coach and you can't teach is being big, strong, athletic, explosive, powerful. 
and Ivan is every one of those things. Well, and fans will get a chance to see him and Cam and the rest of the guys tomorrow night. They'll do a little bit of basketball, but it's more about just kind of having some fun and then getting ready for Rick Ross and his show coming up tomorrow night at PBA. But the, the, the staff is going to be really busy with recruiting. How many, how many visitors, both official and unofficial, are they planning on having here this weekend? Well, they have four official visitors, and those are the important ones. Um, they got three 2021 recruits including two four-star centers from out in California, Frank Anselm and Will Breedenbach. Uh, they have a three-star guard from St. Louis, um, Jordan Nesbitt, and then uh, a shooting guard uh, who's a native of Turkey hmm. uh, who just moved to the United States last year and played at um, Mount Verde Academy out in Florida and then just transferred to the school in California this past summer. Uh, he's a dead-eye, three-point specialist um, named I'm gonna, probably Butcher's name. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but my guess is it's Tibet Goriner, G-O-R-N-E-R. Uh, he, he's uh, a guy that, like I said, he's really emerged as one of the better three-point shooters in the 2020 class, but what makes him so intriguing is he's a 2020 recruit. And if you remember, Nebraska does not currently have an open scholarship for 2020. So uh, just him being here on an official visit shows that this staff is still actively recruiting for 2020, which means they are probably anticipating or at least preparing for some attrition at the end of the season. So um, where that spot comes from, I don't know, but it strikes me as a situation where if, if Tibet wanted to uh, commit, they would take his commitment and then figure out the details later. So uh, an interesting wrinkle uh, with that, that, uh, you know, they're, they're there's probably going to be some more shakeups after a pretty wild offseason uh, this spring and summer. Uh, and then several other unofficial visitors. Um, I can't remember offhand how many there are because there's going to be a lot. Um, Hunter Salas, the big one, um, he's their top in-state recruit from Miller North. Um, Kendall Brown, who is a four-star top 20 player in the 2021 class um, out of Illinois. Um, he's supposed to be here on an unofficial visit. Um, obviously, Donovan Williams from Lincoln North Star uh, is going to be here. And then a couple 2022 recruits, uh, um, Damon Lipsy, that's his name. He's a point guard from Ames, Iowa, who goes to the same high school as Fred Hoiberg and is pushing to break a lot of Fred's records up there already. Um, He's a a point guard that's really heralded in the 2022 class. He's going to make his way on on unofficial. And then Grady Dick, who is another – you know, pretty prominent 2022 players already got offers from Kansas and several Big Ten schools, along with Nebraska. Uh, so he's coming up on an unofficial. So, like I said, it's a it's a big list of both official and unofficial, and uh, it makes sense because they went all out to blow this weekend up and pair it with the football game and uh, make Friday night as big of an event they possibly can make it. And uh, they're going to try and make some hay on the recruiting front along with it. Well, huge. Great stuff. Robin, we certainly appreciate the update. Have fun with the weekend. Should be a blast Friday night and then the game on Saturday. And we always appreciate you coming on and giving us the latest news. No question. All right. Thanks for having me, Greg. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Huskers line up, two to the near side. Shotgun snap, zone read. Adrian pulls it back, puts it out the flat jack, still wide open, walks in there, touchdown, Nebraska. Beautiful fake that time. Nobody picked up Stoll leaking out in the flat. 
Adrian hit him with a quick flip, and the Oscars on the board. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, the first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Tonight, offensive coordinator Troy Walters. Missouri is in there. He's off to the left of Adrian. The triangle formation of the near side. JD split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to the program. Here are the numbers. If you want to be a part of the show tonight, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Delighted to have Nebraska offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, Troy Walters in studio tonight. Congratulations on that win. That was an uphill battle the whole game. Your guys never never gave up. No, nah, it was a big win. Anytime you go on the road, conference game, uh, a win is a win. We didn't play our best, turned the ball over four times, but uh, found a way to win. And, and last year, we wouldn't have won that game. And so it just shows how far this program's gone. And, uh, you know, we know we have to be better, but uh, it was a good win. Didn't seem like there was any – panic on the sideline the guys kept their head about it you trail by 14 points three different times in that game that is hard to do yeah coach frost uh emphasized uh early in the week that when we face adversity not to back down uh not to panic stay calm especially on the road and and our guys did that and uh that was very encouraging and uh yeah, you know, a lot of it was self-inflicted wounds, but we found a way to overcome those and, and get a win, which was very encouraging. Wandale Robinson, kind of the coming out party for him. He touched the football 27 times in this game, by far the biggest workload that he's had. But you, you, the staff has been talking about this young guy since March when spring ball began. I think Husker Nation finally got their first real look at him. They did. He's a he's a special kid. You know, he played a tough game. Um, you know when it when the when the game was on the line, he wanted the ball, and and the coaches on the sideline said he had that look and look in his eyes that hey, give me the ball, I'm going to make a play, and that's what we recruited him for, and that's what we sold him on, and and uh, you know I think now he knows exactly um, how valuable he is, and uh, he, you know he's only going to get better, so we're very encouraged and had a good week of practice, so we look forward to what he's going to do this week. How how much of a benefit is it to have a guy who can line up in a lot of different spots on the field? It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, as a defense, they don't know where he's going to line up. Um, he adds depth at the receiver position. He adds depth at the running back position. Uh, in our offense, that type of guy is valuable. And uh, throughout the uh, Scott Frost eras at Oregon, UCF, I mean, those type, those type of players uh, really drive this offense. And, and we can utilize them in so many different ways and create stress on the defense. And that's what he does because they're not sure where he's going to line up. You guys are looking to actively recruit guys like that pretty much every year, aren't you? Yeah, we are. We are. Spots. Guys that can play multiple spots, That guys that are, have speed and can uh, can take a, a short pass or, or run to the house. Uh, those are the guys that really fit in this offense. And we're going to continue to recruit those guys. Now, he played a bigger role in the, in the running back game because Mo, Mo got dinged up in the first half, wasn't able to play in the second half. And I think 19 carries is what Wandale ended up having. He caught eight passes in the game. 
That's a lot. Uh, JD had seven catches, and man, he took a beating. He hit, got hit a bunch in that game. Yeah, we were talking as a staff that that Illinois defense is much improved. I mean, they yeah. were physical and and they hit you, and uh, you know they they got better this year. And you know we our guys played a tough game, uh, made some catches, took some hits, got up, showed some toughness, and so that's what we're pleased with as a staff that we're becoming to, we're becoming a tough offense. Uh, you know, up front those guys. Uh, they were physical up front, and I thought our guys did a great job up front, and so uh, that only helped us uh, and help us going forward. And uh, and uh, we know we look forward this week. When you rush for three sixty three, that means the guys up front are doing got to be doing something right, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, very proud of them, the guys up front, and to rush for that many yards uh, says a lot. And uh, you know we're getting better each week as an offense we're better in week two than we were week one week three than week two week four you know we turned the ball over four times you take that away then you know we're, we're getting better and so we need that you know, against a tough Ohio State team this week we need to be better than we were last week let's go through those four turnovers the the, the whether it was a forward pass or fumble that was a goofy situation maybe they got it right I don't know was the the most frustrating one to you guys as coaches maybe the mesh handoff between Adrian Mo. yeah we you know that's part of our offense so we, we 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 can't we can't turn the ball over in that situation because a lot of our run plays are going to be where the quarterback has to read somebody and he has to decide if I'm going to give it or pull it so we work on that every day and so to have that type of fumble it's it's it was frustrating uh like I said the, despite the turnovers our guys found a way to win we emphasize this week though we cannot turn the ball over four times and we won't have a chance and so our guys understand that and uh we emphasize ball security and uh you know, hopefully it pays off Saturday night what'd you make of the quarterback's play Saturday I thought Adrian played a good game you know he uh he got back to his his original self, running the football, making plays with his legs, uh, had some nice throws. Um, you know, it seemed like the confidence was back in him, and and so that's we need him to 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 be the playmaker that he is, and to play with confidence and go out there and lead the offense and feel like he's uh, getting back to that form. Coach Walters with us eight six six Husker one eight six six four eight seven five three seven one Nebraska improved to three and one with the forty two thirty eight victory over Illinois last week two weeks ago before the Northern Illinois game you were saying you really wanted to get more guys involved in the offense and particularly your room the wide receiver room and you did you got the I mean kind of I made a couple catches terrific touchdown catch against Northern Illinois Mike Williams has made some catches it's got to be good for you to see those guys stepping up now. yeah we gotta you know we know what JD can do and and. Wandale has proven to be a guy, and we just need some other guys to contribute and and uh, spread the wealth around. And you know, those guys when the numbers were called, they've they've made plays. Mike Williams has made plays. Cade Warner is is getting back to getting healthy, so you know he should be able to provide some depth. And and Cunavai is a is a solid receiver. And McQuitty, you know, we just and I always tell them because I know that some of them have been frustrated and played as much as they like to but uh, I told them just to be ready when you, your number's called you got to be ready to make a play and step up and uh, you know they practice well and I know when their number's called they'll be they'll be ready to make a play going back to that Northern Illinois game Darian Chase got yeah. a chance to make a catch I know you're pretty high on that young yeah I am I am uh, excited about what he can do um, you know he's a solid receiver can run routes catch the ball and so you know he's getting better and better and um, it was good to see him have that catch and and kind of getting getting his first game and kind of get get the uh, nerves out of him and now he knows what it's like to play a college football game and we expect him to get better 
decision yet made on whether to try to keep him under the four game limit or does this do you let this thing play out and see how it goes yeah we kind of let it play out and, and see we'd never want to just waste a kid's year and so we're going to be smart I know he was on special teams last week and got some reps on special teams you know we I don't want to play a guy for three or four plays a, in a game so we'll, we'll be smart and kind of see where things go and and uh but uh he'll definitely get in four games and and uh and, uh, you know, get that experience, and, and we'll just kind of see what happens going forward. Is that – I mean, obviously you guys have to talk about that during the week, what you're going to do with the guy. Yeah, we talk about that Sunday. Every every Sunday we go into the game, uh, go into the week, uh, talking about who's up, who's down, which freshmen are going to play, try to spread out who's going to play in each game, you know, who's going to help out in special teams. And so that's something we talk about as a staff every Sunday. And and then uh, Saturday before the game, we talk about it, who who's going to play, if we want to try to uh, preserve the red shirt of someone. And so uh, you never want to waste a kid's year. And so we want to be smart, but we also want to do what's best for the team as well. So that's always a conversation we have. I'm assuming if I went and found Dedrick Mills somewhere, he'd be holding on to that football. He's yeah. been carrying that thing around all week. Carrying it around. Uh, you know, he's, he's had two fumbles. And, you know, he plays hard, runs, runs hard, physical. Uh, but he understands the importance of protecting that football. And so he's, walked, he's walking around uh, everywhere he goes with the ball high and tight. And uh, I expect him to, to do a better job of taking care of the football this, this Saturday. He seems to have kind of found a little bit of rhythm the last two games. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better, man. He's, uh, you know, this offense is a little different than what he played in. And so early on, he was kind of getting used to the cuts and where the holes are going to be. And uh, last two games, he's had uh, – he's had good games and it made good cuts good decisions he's physical downhill guy and so we can continue to expect him to get better and to continue to help this offense let's go to south sioux city adam you're up first tonight with coach walters good evening hey coach always a pleasure and i first i just want to start off and say thank you i think the the lightest Uh-oh. team goes but my question for you is uh with Ohio State being a big game coming in and everybody knows it, but you also have a big day with 11 recruits that I think I've seen on, on campus for officials. How do you balance that between getting the team ready and making sure you spend your time with your recruits? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, our first priority is make sure that our guys are prepared to go out and play a good Ohio State football team. And so the, the preparation this week has been excellent. Um, but we also understand that recruiting is important. Uh, the opportunity to have some top talent from across the country here uh, Saturday this weekend um, and so we're gonna we're gonna split our time you know we'll do we'll do some things with the recruits uh, before the game you know it's a night game so we'll have some time during the day to really spend spend some quality time with those guys uh, we feel as a staff that it's important in recruiting that the young men and their families get to know us as coaches and so we'll spend as much time as with them as we can at the same time, we understand that we have to be ready to play a good Ohio State team. And then just getting them here on campus and, and seeing the atmosphere, the energy, the love, the Nebraska fans, what it's like to be a, a Husker here, um, that sells itself. And so when they see that, they see the, the, the crowd and the atmosphere, um, that, that'll go a long way. So we're excited about this weekend, excited about the recruits that are coming, and, and we look forward to a, just a great weekend, both on and off the field. And Sundays are big, too. You can spend a little time Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday we'll uh, – uh, we'll spend a lot of time with the family before they head out and, and uh, answer any questions and, and talk one-on-one with them about football and what they saw. And so uh, Sunday will be will be huge as well. Adam, appreciate the phone call. Um, 
everybody's different. So for some recruit, the academic part might be the bigger thing. For some guys, they want to know how much they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Some guys want to know what are you going to do to get them to, get them to the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all different, right? It depends on the individual. It is, and you've got to kind of find out their why and, and what, they're, what they're most interested in. But we try to sell the, the total experience and that they're going to develop and that we're going to maximize their talent both on and off the field, that they're going to get a degree, they're going to play top-notch football, um, they're going to be in a, in, a, in a state and a community that supports them, and they're going to grow as young men. And, and uh, that's what we sell, and we want to try to find guys that are, are balanced. They want to be great on the football field as well as in the classroom and in, in, in society. And so uh, those are the type of young men that uh, we, we're looking for. Let's head down to Hayes, Kansas. Tom, you're up next with Coach Walters. Hey, Coach Walters. Hey, Greg. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Doing well. Hey, I know you guys have heard this enough, but I'd like to give a shout-out to Wandell and J.D. for being two of the toughest little wide receivers on the planet, probably. Uh, I agree. Uh, I I was sitting there watching the game with my son, and I ha- I apologized to J.D. because about three throws in a row, Adrian was hanging that ball up in the air, and it got to be a little – got to be a little eerie and Trenton my son asked me he goes what what are you oohing and on about and I was like you can get away with that a few times but in D1 you hang that ball up in the middle something's going to happen and literally two plays later JD gets just slammed and of course the air goes out of the room and we go oh like that and I just looked at Trenton I go right there yeah and yeah, he's a job your receiver, Trenton. He's a tight end in junior high, and I was like, "It's your job to go get the ball." But that's how tough those guys are. And and I was wondering if they're and literally like two throws later, Adrian throws it in the dirt because I think he was even like, "I'm tired of hanging this ball up and them guys getting hammered." I was wondering. Uh, my question is, do you guys talk to the you know Adrian or you know uh, you got to get that ball down, or is that just something that you know you really can't control in the heat of the moment? And uh, Good luck on Saturday, guys. Go Big Red. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, J.D. and Wandell, they, they played a tough game. And our job as receivers is to go get the football and attack the football. And, and uh, so, you know, from the outside, it looked like it was Adrian hanging the ball. But there were a couple plays where the receiver actually um, – our, our angle on our route was towards the backside safety. So that's the only place that Adrian could have thrown the ball. And, and uh, so some of it was on the receivers. And we got to do a better job of, of taking – proper angles to keep us away from maybe a backside safety um, some of it Adrian's got to put the ball on the line but uh, you know our job is to go make a play and uh, we know we're going to get hit and those guys show tremendous toughness and getting up and and uh, you know as an offense it really was encouraging to see that and like I said earlier up front we, we played a tough game and and we're physical up front and so that's that's going to make us better because we're facing Ohio State team that uh that is tough and that's physical and uh, and uh, we got to be ready to go. Lovey Smith, known for that Tampa two. Did you see a lot of that? Saturday? Yeah, they played a lot of cover two. Um, their philosophy was really bend but don't break, keep everything in front of them, um, and so uh, didn't do a whole lot. But uh, they did it well, and uh, you know they they've made improvements. They came up and mm-hmm. hit us when, when they had a chance, and uh, our guys showed toughness. So very proud of them. Let's go to Omaha next. Pat, you're up next with Coach Walters. Hey, gentlemen, just got some wide receiver questions for you. Uh, just wondering what's what's happening with Warner, if he's injured or how close he is to seeing the field. And then also just to see uh, who would come up, because we have a little bit of lack of depth in the wide receivers. If we have uh, McQuitty and Williams, 
because it has a long speed as well as Woodyard. Mm-hmm. Try to get them on the field just a little bit more for a few more plays. They get stretched out in the field if they just if they're not good practice players or if they're injured as well. Yeah, good. Thanks cool. for taking my call. Yeah, um, yeah. Cade's been battling some injuries. Uh, really starting fall camp, and so uh, you know he's getting back to a hundred percent. And so, you know, he's a guy that when he's in and, and he's 100%, he's a reliable, dependable, knows the offense, is like another coach on the field. So we hope to get him back this week, um, had a good week of practice. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's hard to take a, a Wandell and a JD field because they're such, you know, they're playmakers. Cunavai does a great job, is solid. Um, you know, Mike Williams has stepped up and has made some plays um, in the passing game. Uh, McQuitty continues to practice well. So, you know, I told those guys, we want to play more guys. Um, you know, I told them to be ready when their number's called. Um, as a coach, it's just when you get in the flow and it's a tight game and you kind of go with the guys that have been in the action and that that have that have made plays. So uh, those guys understand that, uh, you know, they've got to be ready. Uh, Darian Chase, uh, Woodyard, McQuitty, you know, all those guys understand that, you know, when their number's called, they've got to be ready to step in to make a play. And um, and, and they would, they'll do that. And so it uh, just depends on the game and how things flow. But, uh, you know, they, they know they'll be ready. Pat, appreciate the call. You and I sat down and talked in the summer about your group. And you said it was a big, going to be a big August camp for Javon McQuitty. It was kind of his timer. He was going to get passed by a bunch of guys. It seems like he stepped his game up. Yeah, he has. He has. Um, you know, he's done a good job. He's, uh, you know, taking – he's getting in the weight room and he's gotten stronger and feels more comfortable in the offense. And so, you know, last year there was probably no way he was going to get in the game. This year he's he's very close to mm-hmm. uh, being that next guy in. And, you know, he's practicing his tail off and um, – I'm confident that when he gets his opportunity, he's going to go out there and make play. Right now, let's talk to Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, we were given some Major League Baseball scores. The the last, they, they're not flying the W around Wrigley much anymore, are they, Teddy? <laughs> oh, my God. That L flag is getting worn out <laughs> above Wrigley. It was an incredibly dismal end to the season, as you know. Um, just a complete cave-in that I think a lot of us saw coming a couple weeks ago. I mean, God, bodies were, were dropping, you know, and Javi Baez gets hurt and I happened to be at the game a couple of Sundays ago where Rizzo, you know, turns his ankle brutally. And then uh, Kimbrell's a disaster and Pedro Strope wasn't the same. But whew, then uh, that's a lot of losses in a row. So good job to the Brewers and the Cardinals, man. They are much more worthy of being in the playoff. Is that it for Madden as manager? Yeah, man, that'll be pretty much the most shocking news of all time if Joe Madden is retained. I think there's a better chance of Mike Ditka coming back to the Bears at this point. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying that would be my move, but everything sets up that way. I mean, you start with the fact that, uh, you know, the Cubs didn't extend him in the offseason, even though I thought he actually, you know, I thought he got unbelievably lucky to win the World Series, and I thought last year he pieced it together nicely and survived and all that. But so this year it was one of those deals of, uh, you know, a little bit like probation. Let's see if this actually works out. And in the end it didn't. And, 
you know, Madden's detractors point to a couple things. Uh, terrible base running. Cubs have made more outs on the bases than any team in baseball. Uh, bad defense, which, uh, you know, I think is partially on a manager. Um, you know, on the good side of things, despite uh, Strope being terrible uh, and really a problem with, you know, the highest paid bullpen guys all year, the bullpen statistically performed well. So everybody who thinks that Madden's such a goofball with his, you know, how he manages the pen, look, the results actually don't bear it out. So I think Joe is is a genius in a lot of ways in terms of managing the clubhouse. Uh, he's he's A++ with dealing with the media, which, you know, in a, in a big market is something. But uh, it is being set up for him. Everything that Theo Epstein has said, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when he says we've been underachieving for a year and a half. When you're underachieving, that's his way of saying you've got more talent than wins are being produced and you can't fire all the players so the manager gets bounced. Yeah. Well, if he's out, I bet there's some other takers out there. There's going to be a lot of jobs open next week. Um, You had a chance to go see the uh, Northwestern game, and we were dead wrong on the spread. Uh, Vegas had it right, and and then some, didn't they? That's true. Uh, When you say you you got to see the Northwestern game, I think it's had to see the Northwestern game. I mean, the two NU games I've covered are are Stanford and Michigan State, and it's just been completely dismal. I mean, Northwestern has scored five touchdowns this season. There's no FBS team that has scored fewer than five. Uh, This offense is back in the dark ages. And, you know, Fitz has kept this offensive coordinator, Mick McCall, forever. I think it's going on like 11 years now, even though statistically these offenses are poor year after year. He justifies it because he said they won the Big Ten West by three games last year, and they did. But, man, if it doesn't get better this year, he is absolutely going to have to bounce him because uh, the O-line is supposed to be good this year. Hunter Johnson is certainly a talented player. The, you know, the receivers are okay. The running backs are okay. And they are producing nada. So they are 24-point underdogs uh, at Wisconsin, You know, a team that they beat half the time. So that goes to show you uh, how the opposite directions have been uh, pointed in terms of those two programs. Well, they're facing a Badger team that absolutely picked apart Michigan. Did that surprise you? And, and how much noise are you hearing in Chicago coming out of Ann Arbor? So that one did not. My two best bets last week were uh, Wisconsin and uh, Northwestern. So it's a one out of two. And, uh, you know, this is interesting to see. And for, for those of us who've been Critics of Harbaugh, we are we are not sad about this at all. I mean, it's been so much more hype than performance uh, really since after that first season. I mean, and, and people who defend him, I mean, I was actually, you know, having a text exchange with Brady, uh, Brady Quinn about this. Brady Quinn called him one of the most underappreciated coaches in the country. And I, I'm like, it, it can't be serious. And Brady is saying, well, he's been so much better than Hoke and Richrod. I'm like, well, you can compare him to Hoke and Richrod. I compare him to Bo and Lloyd Carr. I think that's the standard. I don't think winning nine and a half games a year at Michigan is any kind of major accomplishment. That's just the baseline. I mean, you have to be able to to beat Ohio, you know, Michigan State consistently or win bowl games. Or I mean, he's 0-7 in games where they're not favored. Mm. So, you know, it, it's like if you want a guy to beat Rutgers in Indiana, you, you've got your man. But I think they should have higher standards there. And the story of Michigan, I think, is is a program where Jim's been able to do whatever he wants, make weird coordinator hires. He's kind of had a revolving door. He hasn't developed any quarterbacks. And everybody's kind of afraid of him, so they just let him do his thing. Got to be wearing thin, though, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to – Oh, yeah. If you don't win, you, that's okay if you act that way if you win, but if yeah. it doesn't, it's got to be wearing thin. You mentioned the word bet. Isn't betting coming to Illinois? 
Yeah, that's right. I don't know if you saw. I did a little. I did a little how-to. Uh, my sports editor said, "Hey, I got a fun assignment for you." I said, "What's up?" She said, uh, "You know, I want you to do a how-to guide to sports betting." I said, "Okay, I think I can probably do that off the top of my head. That's going to be fun." But it is. It is interesting when you actually write it up how much stuff there is. Whether you're talking about parlays or teasers or um, I don't know if you saw. Did you see the guy who had a twenty-team parlay last week? Who Did he hit it? 89 cents. He went 19 for 20, oh. had the Redskins on the money line, and stood to make, what was in my story? Was it 300 grand? It's some number that you just cannot even believe is possible. So uh, betting will you know, break your heart and certainly bankrupt you in the long term if you're, if you're betting huge amounts. But kind of a fun story to do, exactly, because Illinois uh, will finally get with the program um, – not sure when. They hope to have it by the Super Bowl. Uh, there will be legal betting here. So, uh, you know, people won't have to do it in the slightly undercover mode that they are now. Will they allow it at the horse tracks? Oh, yeah. Horse tracks, Soldier Field, Wrigley Field. It's funny. I talked to so many people and they're like, oh, I'm so excited to go to a betting window at Wrigley Field. And I just say, you know, there'd be a really long line. <laughs> Wouldn't there? Like, you could do it on your phone and yeah. it takes about. 15 seconds but people have this romantic idea of the game is over and you walk to a window and they hand you cash i mean it certainly is fun to do that in vegas when you know you're at a sports book and you can walk out and and you certainly feel richer than just a number on your phone you know where it goes from one plus 150 to plus 250 that's definitely less satisfying than somebody handing you a hundred dollar bill that i understand so i guess there will be betting windows uh at several of these venues certainly not the college venues um did you see what the what what the law is perhaps going to be in illinois related to that greg no It's, it's so ridiculous it's hilarious so right now how it would probably be is you could bet on a college sporting event, but only if the game's on the road. <laughs> mm. So if it's uh, Illinois at Nebraska, you can bet on it. And if it's Nebraska at Illinois, you wouldn't be able to bet on it. So that's uh, w- w- when you leave things in the hands of legislators, that's the kind of stuff you get. Well, speaking of the Nebraska-Illinois game, I thought your tweet summed it up best. The Nebraska's weird. It's hard to get a handle on this team, isn't it? They, they move the ball so effortless, effortlessly at times, and yet they barely win. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Martinez, he looks absolutely brilliant on some plays, and then he looks completely poor on other plays. And how do you, I mean, losing nine fumbles, and, you know, it's just a sloppy operation a lot of the time. And then other times you say, oh, my God, how do you stop this offense? You know, this offense is going to average 50-something points a game. So they got to be a little tighter, obviously. Um, I'm fascinated to see how Saturday night plays out. I mean, I ended up saying let's go ahead and take the points with Nebraska, largely because Nebraska has a tradition of playing so well uh, under the lights at home. And I think Ohio State, especially with a you know newish quarterback in Justin Fields, is due to get rattled a little bit, at least enough to make it a close game. So uh, I am extremely fired up for that one, more than I am fired up to watch the game that I'll be covering, which is Northwestern Wisconsin. So you're headed to Camp Randall. All right. I am, and it's pretty cute. I have a nephew flying in from New Jersey. We're doing a Northwestern campus tour Friday morning, a Wisconsin campus tour Friday afternoon, and then we will be uh, there at really one of the top three venues in college football. Very good. Uh, just a heads up, ben Mc- young Ben McLaughlin is coming your way for Big Ten Media Days next week, so Excellent. batten down the hatches there in Chicago. We will 
do that. You know, uh, Jim Delaney, who I actually saw today, he's speaking 8 a.m. Wednesday. And I told him, I said, Jim, are you going to say anything big? Because I'm not so down for the whole like 6.15 a.m. wake up and, you know, not walking the kids to school and all that. I'm usually about getting there at about 10 o'clock when they have these roundtables. And then you can talk to everybody, look them in the eye, follow up questions versus the coaches who just step up there on the dais. So we'll see if Ben, uh, maybe I can get him in a little trouble Tuesday night and, and, and get him there a little late on Wednesday. We'll see how that shakes out. Sounds good. Fred Hoiberg, we're sending him your way. Be, be good to him. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Fred. He deserved way better with the Bulls. Just when they were getting healthy last year, they fired him. And I'm telling you, I believe, I'm not just saying this. I, I believe it to my core. If he uh, was in an NFL, if he was on an NBA team, if he was coaching an NBA team that had good space and pace players, good shooters, I'm sure he would be successful. Everybody already, always told me he is a master of uh, designing those short plays. So hopefully he'll get it done there in Nebraska. Very good. All right, thank you, sir. Travel safe to Camp Randall. Todd Lebo from 810 WHB in Kansas City. He's a frequent guest of ours. Love to catch up with Leaves. Todd, great to have you with us here tonight. I, I know you're having some fun covering that Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs squad here this fall. Yeah, yeah. Training camp couldn't come soon enough with the Royal season going on. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's uh, certainly been a – man, it's the Chiefs are a 365-day – a year business at this point. There's so much excitement in Kansas City for what's happening with the Chiefs that uh, they, people can't get enough of it. Is Patrick Mahomes the the best player you've covered in in the NFL? Boy, I tell you what, here in this town, I mean, it, it's exceptional. I mean, this, there's been some great players. Got to cover Hall of Famers like Tony Gonzalez and Derek Thomas and things like that. Will Shields, right? Yeah. But there's something different about the quarterback, you know. I mean, that's just. He's so young and uh, full of life and, and just personable. And, you know, it, it's so much fun. It's just a perfect marriage with he and Andy Reid and all the great players around them. I, I've told a lot of people this. We've, we've seen a bunch of this from Chiefs fans on social media or callers to the shows. It's just boring to watch the other games. You know, you, you turn on and, and you're watching Tampa Bay and in Carolina or something on a Thursday night, and you're like, I can't watch this. I've been watching Patrick Mahomes play quarterback. <laughs> it's, it's you know, the Jets are throwing out third stingers. You can't watch that stuff on TV. It's a different deal. It, it's a lot of fun, and this city has really, really got behind this team. Unlike, unlike any time I can remember, I and mean, even the old days when, when Marty was coaching, you know, the team kind of really got to know football and get back into it. Those were great times. But this just feels totally different because there's so much more engagement with social media and, and things where, where people can get involved with the players and the team out is has a, a bigger outreach. You know, it, it's just a different feel. It, it's really cool. But what I tell people all the time, Sharpie, is, you know, and listen, this is what it was like, you know, for, for years up in Nebraska. You know you're going to go to a bowl game. You think it's going to be a national championship game. Don't sleep on the fact that you get to watch, you know, Tommy Frazier playing against Iowa State. It's still fun to do, right? Don't don't wish away a Saturday or a Sunday waiting for the playoffs. Enjoy the ride as it's going. Don't look uh, don't look towards February. Look towards right now and just enjoy what you get to see. No doubt. He is impressive and incredibly fun to watch. You mentioned the Royals real quick. Ned Yost this week, I don't think this was totally shocking, announcing that he was retiring. He certainly had an interesting tenure there. Um, how will he be remembered by Royals fans? Well, I think, you know, 
listen, your, your run-of-the-mill Royals fan will remember that the Royals won the World Series, and he was the manager. And, and they had a parade, and, you know, a quarter or a half million people went down and, and, and enjoyed it. That's what they'll remember. I, I don't think most Royals fans will remember, uh, you know, the 100 lost seasons. I think, you know, the, the diehards who watch every night and who question everything a manager does might have a different opinion about Ned Yost. He has won more games than anyone in Royals history. He's also lost more games. That's what happens when you manage for a long time. You know, he's well under 500 as a Royal manager. But he did bring this team a World Series and fostered a whole bunch of good young players and, and you know, managed, managed the pitching staff through two postseasons. You cannot deny his postseason record and how good they were in those games. Now, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you, it was pretty easy when you had a bullpen like he had. You don't have to make a lot of hard decisions, all right? Go out there and give me five innings. I can go six, seven, eight, nine. That's pretty easy. Uh, but I think he, he will be remembered as a guy who won a World Series and went to two straight. That's, that's the way he should be remembered. Royals have three home games left. It, will these be the last three games for Alex Gordon in a, in a Royals uniform? That remains to be seen. I talked to Gordo on Tuesday about that after Ned made his announcement, and he said the same thing for about a month now. He doesn't want to make a decision, you know, with 100 losses fresh on his mind. He doesn't want to do that. He's got a little time to wait and see. Uh, he's totally open. He understands the Royals aren't going to give him $23 million to play next year. If he wants to play, he'll do it for a lot less money. His decision, and he and his wife's decision, is going to be, listen, they'll give you $4 million not to play. What number is it that makes it worthwhile playing? Because this team's going to be better next year, but they're still going to be probably a 90-loss team. I don't think there's any hope of a World Series. Do you want to just do it because you want to? You really still like to play? I don't, I don't know if there's some number out there that he wants to get for his career on hits or anything like that. I mean, so it, it just really becomes how much time do you want to spend with your kids and what number is worth doing that? Because he's in a spot right now where he can get $4 million and not have to do anything next year, which is a spot that you or I are never going to be in in our lives. <laughs> so he's, he's in a really good spot. He's a, he's a lifelong royal. He doesn't want to play somewhere else. I think they probably could have moved him at some point in the last two years because he played better the last couple of years. But Dayton Moore is a pretty well guy. He wasn't going to ship Alex Gordon off just anywhere because Alex wanted to stay here. And I think he's earned the right to stay here and, and finish his career as a Royal. Busy with Todd Lebo of 810 WHB in Kansas City. Uh, Leaves here in the Big Ten, they did away with the coaches' teleconference this year. They just felt like they weren't getting enough calls. Thank goodness the Big 12 still does one because that's where you can talk about jackasses, right? Well, what was that all about earlier this week? My gosh, Mike Gundy is always a thrill. Mike Gundy's a man. He's, <laughs> he's 50, right? We know that. He's over 50. But uh, he's, he's got, he acts like about a 68-year-old, right? He doesn't suffer a new, new style anything. The funny question was, apparently there was a there was a fake article out there a couple of weeks ago that Boone Pickens, the, the longtime benefactor of Oklahoma State Athletics, who passed away recently, had left a $30 gift card or something to Sport Clips for Gundy to get his hair cut. It was a totally fake story on a website. It was at a parody website. Well, this guy on the conference call had read that and thought it was real and asked Gundy about it. And it's as uncomfortable as anything you've ever heard. There was probably... The whole clip took two minutes, and if you really played what Gundy said, it was only about 30 seconds because they, they first thought that they lost Coach Gundy, and they couldn't hear, and it was like, I knew, he, I knew what was happening. He didn't want to answer the question. And they finally re-asked the question, and he just went off. Uh, that, you give a bad name to good journalism. 
And it, it wasn't the guy's fault. He wasn't trying to be mean. He just didn't know any better. And that's why you really got to check those things when you watch. But Gundy's always a, a pleasure on those calls. Well, uh, the other big story that I know that you guys have been chasing down there came uh, in way of KU basketball earlier this week when they f- officially received their notice of, of some allegations and improprieties with their program. Where does this hang head in your eyes? Where does it go? Well, they're going to try to uh, vigorously de- defend it. And, you know, that's, that's a, those are all strong words and stuff. But we just saw today Georgia Tech, who got their notice of allegations in March, is getting a postseason ban. I, I think most people, you know, Jason Anderson, our new guy in the, the middays, just spent the last uh, nine years in Louisville. And uh, Louisville, uh, they, they followed this stuff intently with the NCAA in Louisville. And he said from everything he's seen and the way the NCAA has reacted in the last years, it would be it would be pretty amazing if Kansas didn't get a postseason ban. And we'll see if there's some sort of a suspension for a number of games or a show cause for Coach Self or at least some of his assistants. And, you know, it, it is such a convoluted situation with college athletics right now with that FBI investigation where they somehow managed to tell people that the schools were victims and, and ended up proving that the schools were victims. The NCAA doesn't care that the schools are victims. The NCAA is not getting people on tax evasion. The NCAA is getting people on, on cheating to get players into their schools. And the information uncovered in the FBI trials is exactly the kind of the information that gets you in trouble with the NCAA. You can be innocent of a crime, but be guilty of breaking rules in the NCAA. And it certainly appears that Kansas is going to be guilty of some of those things. You, you can negotiate your way out of some of these things and say, all right, well, we'll take this punishment. And if you give us this back and, you know, maybe the punishment won't, won't be as bad as what they initially think it could be. But they're kind of caught red-handed on some of this stuff, right? They, there, were, there was money changing hands to go to people handling players, and those players came to Kansas. The question is, with Silvio de Souza having played in the, the year a couple of years ago when they made the Final Four, will they take a banner down? Will they strike some records from the book? You know, it doesn't really matter to fans if they did, right? Um, we'll see about that. But it, it's certainly not a good time. For Kansas Athletics, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of that first initial press conference um, when when the FBI announced they were doing this thing, and we're starting to see some pretty big, pretty big programs kind of falling into some of the things that happened there. And it looks like Kansas is caught up in it for sure. And I think a lot of diehards were hoping the day wouldn't come with a real notice of allegations, but it did. Yeah, I bet there's some nervous folks in and around Lawrence. Leaves, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, have a great fall and keep following those Chiefs. They're fun to watch. Will do, Greg. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Great to have Robin Washington. Always good, good to have him on talking about all the recruits that are going to be in town for Husker basketball over the weekend. Troy Walters was in studio for an hour with our Nebraska football show. And what a fun final hour with Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune and Todd Lebo from 810 WHB. That'll put a wrap on tonight's show. My thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, to all of you for listening. Catch your breath. Big 48 hours still to come, starting with tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow night to recap it all for you. Good night.